0: Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now,
1: here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. We have Narissa D'Amelio. She is a partner with uh, Capital Eight Group, and we are so excited to have her today, and we're going to love the episode with her. What I think I, I really appreciated most about what she said, and I think what you ladies are going to get out of the, uh, the interview uh, are a ton of things, but in particular, she talks a lot about sourcing deals and sourcing money at the same time. Mm-hmm. So many times you hear, find a deal and the money will follow. She actually said that's not effective because in larger apartment building uh, complexes and, and, and really investment opportunities in those ways. You have to source both at the same time, and she talks specifically how to do that.
2: Yes, and she also talks about underwriting her experience before and now. So Liz, before she had, she spent about two to three days to underwrite a deal. Yeah, and now she can do it in twenty minutes. Imagine how effective she got in order for her to be able to do that. Yeah. and she's gonna share. What are her criteria and how she's able to do that? Enjoy this episode.
3: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile, with a message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
4: Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com.
3: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. I'm proud to offer premium wireless for just $15 a month. And I'm proud that we have thousands of five-star reviews from customers like Dan D. In New York, who writes, I am satisfied customer. How can this only be 15 bucks? he wrote it in all caps. I needed you to feel it like he feels it. I hope I did that justice, Dan. And I hope that you try Mint too at mintmobile.com slash switch.
4: Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com.
1: Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where we are on a mission to support women investing in real estate across the globe. And uh, we're just so excited to be here. Narissa is on our show today. Narissa is in Connecticut and she's up to some amazing things with her sister. And we're going to get into her story in a moment. But welcome, Narissa. Thanks for being here. Thank you
0: for having me and for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. We're looking forward to jumping into her story and her path to investing and all that good stuff that we uh, jump into. Before we go there, as we do on every week's show, we really love to get connected to all of you. We always like to uh, just thank you for being with us. Thank you for being on this journey. We're on this journey with you. So Andressa and I are, are learning and growing along with you. So I was, always. Always. Always, on a daily basis. So, so with that, what I wanted to share today on Jessa,
2: what's going on
1: with our with our amazing women listening? I was listening to the the book you recommended, right? Take Control of Your Life by Mel okay. Robbins. Still, just phenomenal, phenomenal book. She gave an analogy in the book, and I wanted to share this with the ladies because I really resonated with me.
2: Okay.
1: She shared with she shared, you know, when you're on a hike, you're hiking on a women listening like to hike or not hike but we all know what happens when you're on a path and then you stop seeing the little little markers right the blue marker or the red marker to, just to pretty oh. much tell you which trail you're on right and basically she said it's like when you're on a path and you're with someone they go they you know they keep going and then you know you're pretty much you stop seeing the mile markers or the you know the, the blue marker or the red marker she said it's, it, you know, your life, it's like when you stop and you don't see where to go, the worst thing you can do is to just stand there. So if we're on a hike and we don't know which way to go, we wouldn't literally just stand there like morons, right? We wouldn't just, like, we wouldn't, you know, you know unless someone's going to literally come down from the sky and get you, you have to what? You have to move in some direction to figure out where am I going to find the little red marker or the blue marker or whatever path you're on. You would never just stand still and wait for, you know, someone to come get you. You would, you would move. And she basically gave that as an analogy for how we are in our life. Hmm. feel lost or stopped in our life. She said, the worst thing you could do, the worst thing you could do is literally just stand and not take any action. And hmm. I love that because any action is better than no action. That's what she was basically saying. And I love that as as a, as a lesson because so many of us women, again, I'll just speak personally, but so many of the women I've talked to and certainly myself, we wanna take the right action, right? We don't wanna waste time. We wanna make sure we take the right action here and then there, but there's no right action. You just can't, just taking no action is the worst thing you can do. Just Mm -hmm. like if you're on that path you're hiking and you get lost. You wouldn't just stand there. You'd start moving. And then you, re, you know you course correct. And that's exactly what she said. I just love that as a lesson for all of us, wherever you're feeling stopped in your life, all of us women are, are, could potentially feel stopped somewhere in our life right now, personally, professionally, our, our, our spiritual life, our, our something with you know, our mental, the way we're eating, exercise, our financial freedom goals. Where are you feeling stopped? And are you taking action? Because you're probably not taking action. So that would be my awesome. lesson for the day.
2: I remember when she said that and and she also mentioned that we all have an internal compass. Yes. That yes. we need to pay attention to, to it because that will direct us to the right thing. So I and then immediately my head said, okay, how do I know? Yes. Right. So if we pay attention, we really know, like, you know, when we say, oh my gosh, it feels good. This feels good.
1: Yeah. Where you get energy from, where you get that energy from. Yeah.
2: Or something is off. I don't know quite what it is. But something is off here. I can't point my finger and define what it is, but something is off. So that's your internal compass. Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant.
1: Yeah, it's a great, great analogy. So uh, just bring that into your life. Where are you getting energy and where where aren't you getting energy? But don't take no action because that, that you'll just feel kind of you know, stalled out, as they say. So without further ado, Narissa, thank you again for being on our show. And we like to ask the women that we interview on this show, and we do only interview women. <laughs> I've had men say, can I get on your show? I'm like, um, I love you, but it's for women and we interview only women. <laughs> but, 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 but you can certainly listen to it and share it with all the ladies in your life. But anyway, so without further ado, Narissa, we'd like to ask all the women that we interview, what propelled you to get involved in real estate investing?
0: Okay, so I've always been interested in investing. I majored in finance. I've worked on Wall Street and I've worked with hedge funds, um, you know, trading stocks. And it was always fascinating to me that you could invest your money and you could make more to better people's lives. But stocks are such an intangible asset and you're so far removed from the company that I was very interested in real estate um, because real estate is such a tangible product. And when you buy, we like to part, I like apartments because you could affect so many people's lives in one complex and you could actually make their lives better and you could make money for the investors. So I liked that it was twofold. So that's why we, I got into apartment investing. Um, and it's a tangible product so I could physically go there. I could see it. You have more control over the property. Um, so that's kind of why I was, I've always been interested in apartments because you could really affect a lot of people at once and just make it a better place for them to live. Um, and then the returns could are higher than your stock market. You know, we had, had an investor that lost $500,000 in the stock market in three days. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, that will never happen in real estate. You know, the property is the land will always have value and the building will always have value. And I said, and it's just not going to change like that within three days. So it kind of protects investors' money a little bit better, which is um, a fascinating feature for me to be able to give that to my investors.
1: So how did you get involved with like, so what was that first deal? Like, how did you get involved in multifamily? And now that you're in apartment building, kind of, uh, you know, investing, how did you get there? How did you, what was that path? What did that path look like?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I, um, it's been, you know, quite a long path, just like what you were saying earlier about, you know, you have to take action because you could have paralysis of analysis. You could educate as much as you want, but not until you get in there. Um, and what we did was, um, you know, I bought manuals. I read books. I joined my local RIA. Then I joined the Dave Lindall coaching program. And that was um, about four years after I actually was started to get interested in real estate. And um, I, my sister and I joined together. We went down to Charlotte. You know, we try to do this on our own. And then we realized you actually need a team of people. And you need <laughs> yeah, to have, right? <laughs> you, you really do. And you have to, every, every investor wants to know, have you done this before? And we didn't have experience at that time. So I, I can understand that investors might not want to give you money because their ultimate question is, are you going to lose my money? Yeah. So that's why experience is so key. So, what we did was we actually joined another syndication group. They had an apartment deal. We underwrote it. It looked like it had a great returns, it was in a phenomenal market. So, what we did was we had investors that we knew wanted to invest, but of course, they wanted the experience of a team. So, we said, Look, we have this deal. It looks great to us. Um, why don't you invest in this deal? So since we brought investors in, we were able to go on the managing member side of the syndication. So that starts to add on to your credibility. Then then we invested ourselves. We invested personally ourselves into another group. Um, So then we were able to see that experience. And then we brought uh, more investors into another deal. And we did all of that before fully partnering and buying our own deals together. Uh, So it was kind of a transition. So all these little small pieces of the deal helps to gain your credibility, helps to gain your experience. Cause then you could be on the management, um, the calls with the management company. Um, some, like I know for us, we give quarterly reports to our investors. Um, so you could see the balance statement, the income statement, um, and also a write up of what's going on with the property. How is it changing? How are the rents being raised? What are the amenities looking like? So all of this helps to, you know, gain your experience and credibility. And now we can, um, you know, experience talks. You, could, you know, when you talk to someone, you could tell their experience based on their stories. Mm-hmm. So you start to gather all these stories. So then when you start to talk to investors, that they, they automatically know your experience based on um, the stories you have.
2: Yeah. So- and, and I... I wanna emphasize that this strategy that you guys are hearing Narissa say can be also applied for a single family or anything else. The, in my opinion, the fastest way for you to get experience is to partner up with people that have experience already so you can rub off of it. Not that you're gonna become an expert overnight, that's not what I'm saying, all what I'm saying is that it takes time to gain the experience that that person has. Yep. But if you partner up, it's kind of like learning uh, through osmosis, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's just you go through it and then you are in it. There's no okay. other way. You won't learn a lot from the inside view that you guys are, are, are doing. Talk to me about the lessons and the challenge of the first deal that you guys did. Okay, so I would say the first deal getting into it was um find, getting
0: working with an experienced team. You know, trying to figure out who was experienced, um, you know, you also have to look at the team, you know, who's part of the team and who's the management company. So, it's a lot of education because, you know, you're investing People's money, so you want to make sure where you're putting their money is gonna actually give them a good return. Yeah, anything that goes south, they're gonna look at you because I'm the one who brought them in the deal. So it's a lot of um, betting of the deal, looking at the market. So the biggest thing is educating yourself to be able to confidently tell your investors. Um, and another thing is also visiting the property. Mm. We we had to make sure because a lot of investors said, "Have you gone there?" And if we say no. They're probably not gonna invest with you. They're gonna wanna know that you've gone there, you've physically seen it. At least if I'm the one that's talking directly to the investors, they're gonna wanna know that we visited it. So we made sure, you know, we booked we booked a flight, we went out to see the property because we too wanna know if it's a good deal to bring people into. Sure. Um,
2: So they might might have like specific questions like, yes, the roof flat. Is yes. you know, who knows? Like, do you have a playground for the kids, the, the tenants? Or, or wh- how is the asphalt for the parking lot? There is parking lot or there's no parking lot. All of those questions. And sometimes, not that you need to know at all at one shot, but I agree with you walking through every single property from single family to multifamily or somebody, Boots <laughs> on the ground, really like recording it and we can be creative with that. But our eyes really, um, con- it's like we can see different things. And when we are talking to investors, we can really, again, tell our stories and our experience about it. Talk to me about the challenges. What was like difficult, not difficult, but like a really like a lesson that you you learned during your first deal that now you know you will do different? Let's see. Or everything went well.
0: Yeah, you know, rainbows. So, well, what I'll say is before I got into that deal, you know, we try to do this on our own. And I think that's the biggest learning point. So you know, all these things help you to get prepared. So this way, mm-hmm. when you get an opportunity, you know what to do with it. Yes. So I would say probably a little bit before that, because you know we did a coaching program and we went down to Charlotte and we looked at a deal and we you know we put an offer in and our co- coach said, okay, that's great. He said, now if your offer gets accepted, do you have even say fifty thousand dollars to put down as an, as earnest money? And my sister and I said, oh my god, we don't. And that's when we realized, you know, at first we were like, oh my God, I hope our offer doesn't get accepted now because what are we going to do? So, I mean, luckily and unfortunately, it didn't get accepted. But that's when we realized you have to source deals and source money mm. at the same time. So, that was actually the first, the, the first like kind of um, experience to know that how to get into this. It's not just analyzing a deal; it's getting investors because you're bringing other people's money in. So you have to know how to legally bring people's money in. No, it's a very big relationship business unless you're doing all just accredited only, which is a five hundred six C. But um, you know, that's how we. That was actually our first lesson before we got into that first deal, which I thought was very valuable. So that's when we knew let's start looking for money too.
1: So Narissa, it's interesting you're saying saying that. I, I want to go with the sourcing deals and sourcing money in a moment. So we'll put a pit in that. But before we go there, you and your sister work together and you are working not only finding deals, underwriting them, and also then building relationships with investors. Those are all really big things in this business, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what in your like you know whether it was your professional career, your personality. What draws you to wanting to work with investors? Because it's not just like they're your customers and you sell them a widget, right? You're, you're, you it's a lot more than that. There's a lot of legality around it. There's a lot of you're, you're putting their money at at risk, right? Ultimately, not at risk like you're going to find bad deals for them. I'm not saying that, but you're, you're the steward, right? There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into that. I know because we do that as well, and. I'm curious, like what for you made you want to do that? I'm, cu- I'm just curious to hear what your personality traits are or, you know, your why behind it. Because so many women are at that point. They have rental properties. They want to really start to raise, they maybe use their own money, uh, you know, their uncle, you know, whomever or their, or their aunt. And now they're ready to start to pull non-family members together and it's a a process and it's something to learn, but it's not rocket science. So I'm curious for you, what for you got you into that quicker, quickly, I would say too, because you're, you know, you're, 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 you're going and you're making it happen. So I want to dissect that a bit.
0: Okay. So so as I think to, you know, maybe because I was working with the stock market, but I see any successful business you have to have investors in. It's real, otherwise it's going to take you a long time to get to the next step. You know, I actually took, a, I took a coaching class back in 2010. It was with my local RIA and it was about how to buy apartments, but it was anywhere from three to 10 units and it was with your own money. And because of that, you would actually manage it yourself. And I said, you know, I'm not a plumber. I'm not an electrician. I'm not really a handy person. So I said, this doesn't really make sense to me because I'm going to have to hire everyone and it's going to take all the profit. But and then you know you kind of gain experience from other people. So I kept on hearing you know whether you buy fifty apartments or a hundred, it's like it's all the same. It's just extra zeros, for example. Yes. So and you know now that I'm in the business, it is very true. It takes as much to buy a fifty unit as it takes to buy a hundred fifty.
1: That is true. Mm-hmm.
0: And you have to and and the thing is is when you buy larger apartment complexes, you can have a management company. You can hire a very good third-party management company that's going to oversee the property, which makes me feel a little bit more secure that they're the boots on the ground, and I don't have to just invest in my local market. Um, I love Connecticut. My whole family's here, but more people leave this state than come in. Mm. Um, So you can invest and get cash flow. You're never going to get the appreciation. Not right now, that is. So being able to invest in cities that are growing was very exciting. And I knew I had to bring investors in. And for me, I invest myself. So I kind of had an idea, like, what would I want to hear to make me invest? I mean, I do a lot of research before I invest in someone. So I I know the the questions that some of the investors are going to ask, because I would ask them myself. So, So that's kind of in a nutshell of how and why I wanted to get it with investors because I know that's what it takes to get bigger faster and mm-hmm. to actually affect more people the bigger you go the more people you affect tenants and investor wise.
2: yes absolutely that's what me. yeah and one thing one thing that might stop people for for doing that is really their perspective they don't feel mm-hmm. comfortable quote-unquote asking for people's money and I, I remember recently um, during a presentation when we Matt, Liz's husband, Matt Faircloth, Liz's husband uh, was talking about it and somebody asked him a question like, I don't feel comfortable asking for people's money. And then he looked at her like, who does that? I don't do that. Like, I offer people an opportunity to invest. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, and it's completely different. So, once that shifts, your business also shifts and then you can grow. So, you mentioned about sourcing, it's always the same question, right? What what comes first, the chicken or the egg, the deal or the money? And what you're saying, which I 100% on the same boat, both. Because mm-hmm. we always hear, oh, um, I don't have the funds yet. So why am I going to be looking for a deal or I found a deal? Oh crap. Now I don't have the funds for it. Mm-hmm. So it's always this, this mentality. My question to you is how, how to do both at the same time, because you're going to be talking to investors, but you don't have the deal yet. So how does that conversation go?
0: Yeah. So um, in the beginning, when the, how that goes is, I know you know if you look at apartment deals, you know they can actually give better returns than the stock market. So just like what you were saying, is I don't ask for people's money; I give them an opportunity because honestly, we give really good returns. So I can confidently say our returns will be higher than your average typical inv- investment vehicles. <clears throat> so um, it gives me confidence to know, and I looked at so many different deals. And people constantly are buying apartments. So I know it's not just a one-time type of really good deal. These deals do come up. You know, it takes a lot of work to find them, but um, it makes me feel confident to be able to tell the investors like, look, this, this is a great opportunity. Um, You know, we just had an investor that asked us, said, Hey, when is your next deal going to come out? he's like, cause I cannot get returns anywhere else that, that I could get returns with you. (laughs) That's so, a good question. And that, it was one of the best emails to get. And I said, I love that, you know, so, so like sometimes they, they hold on to their money until we get our next deal. Um, because where else are they going to get high returns like that? I mean, the stock market, you could get good returns, but you're talking 20, 30 years, keeping it in there. Whereas an apartment complex could be anywhere from three to seven years. So it's a much quicker turnaround time and a safer investment in my eyes too. hmm
3: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile, with a message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
4: Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com.
5: Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
3: I'm proud to offer premium wireless for just $15 a month. And I'm proud that we have thousands of five-star reviews from customers like Dan D. in New York who writes, I am satisfied customer. How can this only be 15 bucks?" He wrote it in all caps. I needed you to feel it like he feels it. I hope I did that justice, Dan. And I hope that you try Mint too at mintmobile.com slash switch.
4: Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com.
1: But the the conversations you're having with investors when you don't have that deal in place. Now, you're in a different situation. They're already invested with you, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. So say I'm a woman who has a track record. I bought property. Uh, but now I'm trying to build my my you know investment dollars so that I can buy something larger than what I maybe have bought in the past. So that, So we have that woman in mind because that's a common theme we hear a lot about. How do I scale my business? How do I bring more money in so I can buy something larger? So I don't have that deal yet. So what are that? What is that conversation I would have with maybe the relationship I have? Is it something along the lines? Because I, you know, I have experience in this arena, but I'm curious to get your perspective too around, you know, just you know, getting them ready, uh, talking about the cities you're looking to invest in, talking about potential returns, or like even more importantly, what are their goals? Right? Like, what are their even investment goals? So, what what has been your strategy when you don't have the deal in place yet? And think about your first one, right? Not now, because now you have people waiting because now they have a relationship with you and they trust you. I mean that, that first one, right? The first larger deal to, to get into, because uh, I think that's a place that a lot of women are. They really want to get into larger stuff with other people's money. Absolutely. Not too sure how to do it exactly, um, especially when the deal's not in, in, in place. So <clears throat> what are some of those, those you know, things to talk about initially or even ask that person?
0: Yeah. Prime so- them. Exactly. So you want to see, you know, where are they investing their money? What type of returns are they getting? Um, And then also you want to look at the historical returns of apartments. You know, overall in general, apartments have, um, they have outperformed all of the commercial real estate sectors for the past 25 years. So you have that on your side. And then also you have to research the market and say, okay, how many jobs are coming into the area? So I think the most important thing in the beginning is, educating your investors. You know, you are educated, you understand the market, you understand apartments, and how do you portray it to your investors? So, you know, if the market itself is growing, you know, as far as job growth and population growth, that's number one. If that is growing, you almost can't deny that it's a good market to be. It's kind of hard to deny, okay, people are moving in, obviously, supply and demand, everyone needs somewhere to live. So there are certain things that people just cannot deny. Apartments. Everyone needs somewhere to live. If the yeah. city is growing, there's going to be the demand there. Um, and then apartments—they've outperformed. They—they they outperformed the stock market. and They have outperformed all other commercial sectors.
1: Yeah. And and for you, I know you mentioned this when we were uh, preparing for this, but you—you've done a lot of underwriting, you know, and yeah. and I and I think I think that's a really critical part of this process. And I don't think enough people understand how, and, and, and let's, let's talk about that specifically. So you had mentioned too, that you found, you had to analyze and underwrite 250 deals. Oh my
2: to gosh. To find, yeah. to
1: find three properties, yeah. right? So that's about, right. That's about a hundred to one ratio. And you yeah. Put it down. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your path to building this underwriting muscle. Because I think it 's a muscle it 's like going to the gym you don 't go to the gym and just go or you don 't go run a marathon you have to build that muscle and and you and quite honestly you 've built it in a, in a short amount of time, which is really remarkable so the women listening they want to really get better at underwriting they 've analyzed the duplex they 've analyzed a four unit a little different than analyzing a fifty unit and a, right. and, a, and a hundred unit you know not a little it 's it's, it's, the process and what your, the assets the same but the numbers are different. And and what goes into deferred maintenance and capital expenditures, there's there's different pieces to the puzzle. I mean, I can say that. So what did you have to do to build your underwriting muscle, if you will? How did you go about it? Tools, systems, processes, how did you be be able to analyze 250 deals and then find three of them? How did you do that?
0: So, um, a lot of it is talking to brokers, you know, you want to get on brokers lists. So this way, when they email most of the the, most of the properties are on market. So, you know, you want to get on these invest on these broker lists. So it's about developing a relationship with the brokers to get these deals. Um, and then honestly, just underwriting, we, we do have a specific uh, proprietary Excel um, underwriting system that we use that factors so many different things in and we perfect it over time. Um, but the big thing is literally just doing it over and over again. I see a lot of people that get stuck on one deal. And you are, if, if the, you know, the five-year return is 5%, you will never make it a 10 or 15%. So you just have to move on. I think that's the biggest thing is just doing so many one after another and not getting hung up on them because the more you do, the more experience you have. Um, in the beginning, it took me a long time to underwrite one deal. Now I could underwrite a deal within 20 minutes and know if I should look further into it or if I should not. So this way I know, okay, you know what? This I don't wanna spend any more time underwriting this. It's a you know 2% return or the cap rate. I mean, I've seen cap rates at 1% now. And you're just never going to be able to get give a one percent cap rate uh, get get a good return on a cap rate like that. So, so how did
1: you get from underwriting how long did the like think about when you first started? How long did that first one take you?
0: Oh my gosh, the first one I would say probably all day long all day at least you know. And some because you know you analyze it all day long and then you're like, okay, I need to sleep on it because my brain is in a mush right now. I've yeah. I've looked at so many different things. So then you sleep on it and then you come back to it. I mean, I would say definitely probably at least two, three days before I was like, Okay, I, I need to move on. This is taking too much time.
1: So two um, to three days to 20 minutes, you just said.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it could be super quick. No.
1: So what what uh, did you did you start with your own proprietary? like form or did you use someone else's system? Like, what did you actually start with?
0: So first I started off with a Dave Lindahl system. Cause I okay. joined I joined the coaching program and I give an underwrite template. Great. So, you know, we use that. And then now with the, the company that I'm with, we have a system that we've used kind of taking what they're sure, sure. implementing our own things based on experience. You know, we know we cannot turn all the apartment units in at one, one year. So you know, sometimes it's a three-year term, sometimes it's a four-year. So it's like using holistic, yeah. um, You have to use realistic goals too.
1: Sure, I'd also mention too. We've used uh, Michael Blanc has a uh, anal- analytical tool out there as well, and, and it's specif- specifically apartment buildings. So I don't oh, right. recall how much it is, but it's um, if you go to his website, michaelblanc.com. It's it's a it's a really um, it's a good it's a good underwriting, you know, kind we of can system.
2: add that on our show notes. Yeah,
1: I just I would mention that. Uh, not yeah. that I benefit in any way from that, but it's yeah. just it's helped us. But um so so two to three days to 20 minutes, right? And the women yeah. you have some women listening to this right now that they would kill to be able to in 20 minutes quickly learn do I go further or do I say no? And I think you're you're that's the kind of goal to get to for, for many people, especially if you start to look at a lot of deals. So what did you start to do to get from two to three days to 20 minutes?
0: Let's see. I would say just keep on doing it over and over and over again. So that's why you're, and, and the thing is patterns exist, you know? So you're able to see, okay, we have a rule of thumb on, you know, what is it going to cost per unit for, um, add, what is it going to cost per unit for, you know, contract services? So then you start to, you know, you just kind of, it's really about just doing it over and over again. And you're just naturally going to get better. You know, humans are so adaptable. That's what I really love. It's like, as sometimes things seem overwhelming, but eventually if you keep doing it, you're going to eventually master it.
1: Yeah, so that's a great
0: point. I think that's the, the main thing. And then, you know, you're able to look at say cap rates. What are cap rates? I, I know I cannot buy a 3% cap rate because the returns are not there. So you start to see these patterns that exist. So if I know it's a three percent cap rate, I mean I can underwrite it probably. I might I might not even underwrite it actually to look at it. Um, and then you know you get to kind of have an idea. You know the brokers have their pro forma numbers which are great, but now from experience I'm able to see yeah. the broker pro forma numbers are probably what you're going to get in year three or four or five because yeah. they're like as if everything got renovated at once, all the rent got raised at once. Life is perfect. Life <laughs> is perfect. You know. Yeah. And and that's not realistic. Right. So, and, you know, you really have to look at the T12. I mean, I underwrote a deal the other day that, you know, the, the utilities are over 400,000 and the broker said, okay, pro forma, they could be 300,000. But if you look at the actual T12, I mean, how can you lower your sewer? How can you lower some some, some utilities can just not be lower? It is what it is. So that, so that kind of you get through experience as well. Um so it's really kind of taking, looking at the T12, looking at the pro forma and being somewhere in between. That.
1: And Narissa for the women listening, uh, explain what the T12 is.
0: Oh, T12 is your income and expenses for the whole year. So T12 meaning 12 months and you always want to buy based on actuals, never, ever buy on pro forma because pro forma is protect, you know, you want to buy on actual because you want to see how is it running right now because you, you will make it better over time, but it, that's the thing, it takes, it takes time. So the, you have to always buy on actuals. That is extremely
2: important. Exactly. And whatever those actuals are, sometimes they are not on a spreadsheet. Sometimes they are written down on a book under somebody's desk. Yeah, <laughs> little dust <laughs> on top of it. So what I'm hearing is that it's not that you go through the entire process. What I'm hearing is that you have criterias that if it doesn't fit your criteria, you're not going to even waste your time on that. Exactly. So what are like the top criterias that if it passes number one, then you go If it doesn't pass number two, there's no number three there. What are like the non-negotiables for you when you are underwriting a deal?
0: Yes, so we always, um, we like to buy value add deals. So we like to see, is there a value add component? Um, If the property is already 100% fully renovated, we're not gonna be interested because um, there's, the value add is really where you're able to increase the value of a property over time. Whereas a stable property, yeah, we're not going to be able to give the returns that we need to for our investors. So does it does it have the value add component? We also want to see what is the occupancy. We like to use agency loans. Um, we like to get good rates. So it has to be a stable property at ninety percent or higher. And if it's eighty five percent, we have to see you know can they get it up to ninety percent or what kind of terms can we get with say eighty five percent? So it has to be a stable property. Um, which also means that it cash flows from day one Um, It cash flows from day one so that is another criteria then what we do is I look at for the five-year return I like the five-year return to be at least 15 to 20 percent if it's not in that range then we're not even going to move forward if it's five percent we'll never make it 15 so we move on so that's definitely the criteria, you know, and, and then so it's, you know, having the property in mind, can we make it a better place for people, which is adding value to it? And can we give the returns to our investors? So if we can't, if these criteria aren't met, then I move on to the next property.
1: And Narissa, and value add, I think is a, it's like when you talk about communication with people like, oh, you should communicate more. It's such a big word, right? Because it, it can mean so many things to so yeah. many people, right? Um, I just gave a workshop last night about it. So that's why I'm thinking about communication. But value add is one of those terms in real estate investing that is also a very big word. It's a big Mm -hmm. phrase and it can mean a lot of things in a lot of different ways. So for you guys, I mean- and you'll hear people say that we see the same thing but I, as i as i think about it value add is such a it's just it's just general so what would you say are like the top ways that you do add value especially with a property like you're saying you go after those properties that are they're going to be cash flowing from day one they're 90% or higher you know occupied i mean i would say that you know what what are those the almost like the low hanging fruit how can you add that value so yeah
0: so we look at properties mainly through the 1960s and 1980s so these are their older properties there's going to be deferred maintenance um and there's always a reason that the seller's looking to sell sometimes it's literally owned free and clear it's cash flowed for years and they don't care to improve it um so you always want to find out the reason why people are selling but we like to go in and if there's deferred maintenance usually the the rents are going to be below market so we know we can go in we renovate all the interior units and then we're able to raise rent to market we're never going to raise rent to market without doing something to better the property so if there's a if the property is cash flowing but it could not be cash flowing as strong as it is because the seller just didn't care to do that because once you get involved in renovating the interior units the exterior getting adding amenities, you just, you need a lot more, um, you need contractors, it's just, it's gonna be a little bit more uh, work, you know, doing, working with the contractors, getting bids, picking out items. So some owners don't wanna deal with it, but that that's perfect because it leaves an opportunity for us to go in there, renovate the interior unit. We also add amenities, you know, we add dog parks, we add grilling stations, um, you know, we even survey the tenants, when we buy the property, we survey the tenants. and We say, Hey, these are the top eight amenities. What are, what are your top
2: three? Nice. So you get an idea.
0: Do they want a fitness center? Do they want a playground? I mean, one of our properties, we thought they wouldn't want a playground and that was one of their top three. So we're putting in a playground. Um, so it's all about just bettering the property because multifamily is valued on its income and expenses. So it's not like a, um, say a single family homes on comps in the area. It's based on how well can you perform, how well can this property perform? So if we could increase it, then you automatically increase value.
2: And I also think that when you come, you know, new management, and the tenants don't know exactly what you're gonna do, and the first thing that you do is a survey, asking them their opinion. Oh my gosh, I'm sure they feel like, super excited about it, and more, open to communicate with you in a completely different way because you're really interested on what they care about. So it's a different way, a different culture that you guys are are implementing to add value to the property, give a better return to the investor, and at the same time, provide something that is really meaningful for for the tenants so it's really remarkable to see those three things going on at the same time
1: yeah absolutely, absolutely. i love that um because yeah there's a, there's a rebranding process some with some of the buildings they they have a certain reputation that you're looking to change possibly too especially if they haven't done any you know new things in a while or you know new amenities in a while um Narissa, love, I love what you're up to. You work with your sister. I just, we need yeah. to talk about that really quickly because I, I, you know, we talk a lot about spouses and that, but you work with your sister, you know, yeah. I think that's really unique. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how that came about.
0: Yeah. So my sister, she, um, she's always been very business-minded. Um, she actually worked in network marketing before it. And you know, she did well there. And I said, wow, I was like, if she put all of this effort into real estate, man, we could do so well together. So I showed her real estate. I talked to her about it and she was very fascinated And I mean, our goals are so aligned and we think very similar. We even sound very similar. <laughs> <laughs> I thought people get us confused on the phone when we're on conferences, but um, it's so nice. Cause it's you know, you really could always trust your family member. You know, it's, so it was so nice to work with her and, um, just the comfort level and we encourage each other. So we're very close. We're only three years apart. I mean, she li- she lives a half mile from me, which I love. Um, so we're very close and it's nice to work together because we feed off of each other. She has different strengths that I have. Um, she actually pushed me to do this podcast. So I was a little nervous about doing it. She said, no, you'll do great. Just do it. So, so she, she gives me the push and I, um, you know, I do a lot of like the, you know, I just think both together, um, helps to make a decision on, are we too risky? Is this not risky enough? What, what should we do?
1: Do you have just like sister time that you don't talk about real estate? Like, do you have to plan that or does you don't need that? Do you guys just go out shopping sometimes together, go get a massage together? Or is it just like all like all or nothing together?
0: No, definitely not all real estate. If we do, if we talk real estate, we try to we get together just ourselves because okay. sometimes when we're around a group of people, we start to talk business. Right. And everyone kind of gets quiet; they're listening. <laughs> they're like,
1: okay. "This is awkward." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: and they're like, "Yeah," and then sometimes friends are like, "Okay, uh, I can't really participate in this conversation." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, we have to talk outside." So right. uh, we make specific like appointments with each other or meetings with each other to talk real estate. And then, of course, whenever there's a family event, you know, we hang out. I go visit her, and, and sometimes no real estate's talked. So nice. that's why I like to have the balance, but I also like to incorporate business into my personal life, too. So a little bit mixture of both, but you know, you don't want to be heavily on one end or the other.
1: Yeah. I love what you're up to, Nerissa. I can't wait to see what you do next. Like, well, what were you like? Oh, we interviewed Nerissa back when she began. I really, I feel that way about you. You're going really cool places. So super excited for you. How can the women listening, um, you know, connect with you, learn more about what you're up to? Yes,
0: yeah, so they can certainly uh, visit our website. So my company is called The Capital Eight, and it's the number eight group. And our website is Capital capitaleightgroup.com. My email is Nerissa, N-E-R-I-S-S-A at capital8group.com. And I give everyone my cell phone number. My investors have it. All my contacts have it. Um, and people could call me. They could text me. And my number is 860-538-3524. Wow, so you're I try bold, but- bold
1: giving that on, on on our podcast, but hey, <laughs> I love it. I love it, you know? Sorry, people. I'm
2: not giving my cell phone to you.
1: <laughs> Ready for Andre's cell phone? It is. now. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> know what number is now that we have okay. uh, phones. Phone.
2: Awesome. So all this information, including Andressa's cell phone, you guys are very lucky. She's very <laughs> generous. So don't abuse that, please. Um, you can find on our show notes. And now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one Larissa, is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Wow. Let's see. Gosh, there's so many, um, there's
0: so many books. You know, of course, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was really good. It made you think outside the box. Um, I'm reading a book right now by Brene Brown. Brene Brown is like my new favorite person. Um, so I would highly recommend her. I'm reading her book, Dare to Lead. Mm. And she's all about, you know, being vulnerable, kind of getting out of your shell, because that's actually what is the center of creativity. So that's actually a huge eye-opening book for me. Um, and I would highly recommend people watch her podcast because more people need to be a little bit more vulnerable. You know, we always we have like this big armor in front of us but we're actually not helping people by keeping this armor up. So I think that's one of the best books. I'm almost done reading it. And I have high, It's on my Kindle and I highlight so much. I'm like, okay, I need to stop highlighting. Quick. <laughs> Continue reading. So I would say that right now is one of my favorite books, but there's so many good books out there. And I think it's important to read. I mean, even listening to YouTube videos, when I cook, I'll listen to Tony Robbins sometimes, you know? Um, so just all these different things, because you constantly have to fuel your brain, you know, your, yes. your brain is a muscle. And, um, you know, I've heard people, no matter what level of success they are, they always want to do better because that motivation, you know, it, it's a constant workout every single day. So I try to listen to something at least every day, just to kind of keep me going. Um, cause otherwise it's easy. You know, you, it, sometimes you could get discouraged if you don't get, yes. to, you don't work, you don't win the bid, but. It's all about keep on moving forward. So I have to literally feed my muscle, my exactly. brain muscle all yeah. the time. So, and there, we have so many resources. It's a, it's amazing now. Like we're such a great day and age with technology and YouTube and all the videos and books that are out there, but it's a matter of actually making sure you listen to it and you read it. So, um, yeah, constantly educate and motivate yourself.
2: Yeah, I always say that I brainwash my brain. Yes. <laughs> With the things that I want.
0: Yes. Oh, exactly. Not right. that you have to do.
2: Exactly. So the second question is what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life?
0: I would say to keep to-do lists. Um I keep lists all the time. I add on to it. I have a whiteboard in my office. I add on to it. I cross things out, and I always take a picture of it because sometimes things have to carry over from week to week. Um, and then sometimes it's just a good reminder of okay, where what have I done? What do I still need to do? So to-do lists are extremely important. You have to write everything down. You know, even when we have ma- calls with our management company, I write. You should see how many notes I have because this is what keeps people accountable and what keeps you knowing what's going on with your property. So. I think writing everything down is a huge benefit. And then it really sticks in your brain when you write things down. There's there's a power in that. So Absolutely. that's I think one of the most important things for me.
2: And the last question is which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most?
0: I would say Brene Brown right now. She inspired me. Also Cheryl Sandberg. Cheryl Sandberg's very inspiring, you know, she says for women, you know, women worry about everything, worrying that they're not a good spouse, that they're not a good mother, that they're not a good, you know, business partner, you know, we worry so much that, you know, stop worrying, just keep on doing. Um, So she's a big influence. I mean, she works for Facebook and Google. I mean, those are the top companies out there. So um, she's really inspirational. And then Brene Brown, because I like her message. She's actually teaching people to be better and to come out of their shell. So those are definitely very inspirational women that I love to listen to.
2: Awesome.
1: Awesome. Narissa, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with the ladies listening and just really excited about your journey. So just super excited to see where things go for you.
0: Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. and It's so nice to connect with strong women like yourselves.
2: Oh my gosh, it was a pleasure. And I bet our lives are going to connect in the near future for sure.
0: Yes, I hope so. Absolutely.
2: If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes.